Life Church. It is so great to be able to be with you today, even though it's virtual, even though um, we're not being able to shake hands or hug necks, man, just to be able to be with you in your home, wherever you are, it is a privilege. And if you're joining us for the very first time, I just want to say again, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us and to be a part of what God's doing here at Life Church. Uh, again, today I think I got a message that's really going to be helpful and encouraging for all of you. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, that's the very first book of the New Testament. And uh, I want to talk to you today about uh, a statement that, that I've heard, quite frankly, all of my life. And it's something I believe, and that's this, that the church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world that you, the local church, you are the hope of the world. And um, I say a lot of times that, hey, there's nothing that works like the local church works when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. Why? Because you're the hope of the world. And, and in my lifetime of almost 50 years, I don't think that statement has ever been more true than it is right now. I don't think it's ever needed as much as it is right now. Because not just in America or not just in the nor northern hemisphere of the world, but in the entire globe, on the entire planet right now, there is this worldwide pandemic. There is this COVID-19, this, this coronavirus that is circling the globe and, and, and it's creating so much hopelessness. Most people, quite frankly, are responding to this in our world in one of two ways. One is with fear. Complete fear, like what's going to happen? Am I going to die? Are my loved ones going to die? What's going to happen with the economy? What's going to happen in the future? When am I going to be able to resume a normal lifestyle? And the second response is frustration. Completely frustrated, like, is this really necessary? Do we really have to be in this stay in shelter type of a world and mindset? And man, what's going on? And, and am I really getting the truth? And all of this creates this hopelessness. We, 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 we live in such a hopeless world and that's not anything that's new. Quite frankly, it's always been hopeless. But the truth of the matter is, is that a crisis always creates clarity. Anytime there's a crisis, clarity is created. Because what's happening with this COVID-19, this epidemic world crisis, it's creating clarity into our life of, are we really in control? <laughs> are we really in the driver's seat? Do, do, do we really have as much power as we thought we did? And what happens? Who is in control? What is going on? And, and if I feel frustrated or fearful, if I'm hopeless, then is there any hope? And if there is, what is that? I go back to a, a statement that I came across in these last couple of weeks, and that's by um, a guy named A.W. Tozer, a theologian. And Tozer said this, that in a frightened world, let me say it this way. He says, a frightened world needs a fearless church. That a frightened world needs a fearless church. I agree. In this hopeless world, in this fearful world, our world needs a fearless church. And it's true. 
now more than ever. In the last couple of weeks, our life has relatively stopped. It's kind of, ex- it's kind of ceased its existence. Sports, gone. Theaters, shut down. D- dining out at your favorite restaurant, nope. Health clubs and gyms are closed. Bars and clubs in Wisconsin are closed. You know that's serious. And then shopping only for the essentials. I mean, think about it. This spring for Easter, we'll be wearing the latest of Walmart fashion. You never thought you'd say that, did you? Or at least aspire to that. Haircuts, forget about it. School, it's all closed till further notice. And typically, students, you're really excited when school's out or there's a snow day or spring break. But now you're like, oh, if I could only just go back, <laughs> even to take, take, take the worst class that I had just to be around my friends again. And, and moms, you're saying, oh, Jesus, come quickly. <laughs> you never really anticipated or wanted to be a homeschool uh, a parent or a homeschool teacher, but, but now this is what you're doing. Why? Because our life has totally been stopped. Our world today is fearful and frustrated, but I got good news for you. You, church, you, Life Church, you are the hope of this world because of Jesus. And I want to explain this. I want to remind you of something that you already know, but I want you to go back to Matthew's gospel chapter number five. And in Matthew chapter five, chapter six, and chapter seven, it's the recording of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most exhaustive uh, recording of a message that Jesus preached or a teaching that he gave that you and I have. Jesus is talking to Christ followers here. He, he, he's talking to, to, to Jewish believers, in essence, that are following him. And, and, and basically, he's talking to the church. That would be you or I in today's standards. And the Gentiles weren't a part of this because yet uh, Jesus had not yet died for the sins of humanity and, 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 and rose again. And so this gospel hadn't gone to the, to the ends of the world. It, at this point, it's just right there and. In, in Jerusalem, in the, in the outer skirts of, of Jerusalem in, in Israel. He says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Again, he's talking to the church. You are the salt of the earth. Now, salt does two things. It, first of all, it provides taste. I don't know about you, but I put salt on everything. I, I put salt on my vegetables. I put salt on my eggs. I put salt on my watermelon. Anybody? No? I love salt on everything. It it provides taste. But the second thing that it does and was really crucial in this first century is that it was a preservative. It preserved whatever it touched. And what Jesus was saying is you church, you are the taste in a tasteless world. You are the preservative in a souring, ruining world. That's you. You're the salt of the earth. He goes on in verse 14, he makes this statement. You are the light for the world. Not the light of the world because you're not of the world, but you're the light for the world. What does light do? Light expels darkness. Think about it when you're a kid and, and your mom would come to tuck you in and, 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 and say night prayers with you before she would turn off the lights and close the doors. Like, no, mom, can you turn on the night light? Can you turn on, can you leave the door just cracked? I just see a little bit of light, just a little bit so that I know everything's okay because I don't want to worry about the monster under the bed. Just that light coming through the door in the hallway or, or the light on the night light, it, it showed that, that everything was okay. It expelled the darkness. That's what you and I are called to do. You and I are called to be salt. You and I are called to be light. 
And then in in chapter 5, verse 15, all the way through chapter 6, Jesus is talking about the law. He begins to talk about murder. He's talking about adultery, divorce, oaths, revenge, love, our responsibility, responsibility to the poor and the needy, prayer and fasting in eternity. And in verse 25, he deals with hopelessness. He deals with the fear and the anxiety and the worry that we even as those who are in Christ can deal with. I wanna read this with you. Matthew chapter six, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for neither they sow nor they reap into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. But if God, who so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious about, or do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the Gentiles. Remember, the gospel has not yet gone around the world. These would be considered the sinners, the outsiders. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. Verse 25, 26, 28, 29, 30, and 31 tell us, do not worry about life. Don't become fearful. Don't become frustrated. Either one of those continuums. Don't be fearful. Don't be frustrated. Keep hopeful. Don't worry about life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Don't worry about these things in life. Why? Because verse 27 says, worry doesn't change anything. Your fear with what's going on in the world doesn't change anything. Your your frustration doesn't change anything. And we as Christ followers, we as the church should not worry. We should not be fearful. We should not be frustrated. Why? Because verse 32 says, your heavenly father knows. He already knows. He knows your anxiety right now. He knows your fear right now. He knows your frustration right now. He knows what's going on and, and, and he, he gets it. He, he understands it. He, he knows that you're, you're kind of wigging out because when's this gonna end? And he knows that the kids are getting on your nerves and he knows how quote unquote uncool your mom and dad are right now and you much rather wish you were anywhere else but there. And, and, and he knows about what's happening at your job. And he knows about the financial shortfall. And, and he knows about the uncertainty that you're feeling. He knows. He knows exactly, verse 32 says, what you need. All that you need. Verse 33, he says, so seek him first. Wow, that's way much easier to preach. Much easier to read than to live, but he says, if you'll just seek me first, if you'll just seek me, don't seek after the fear, don't seek after the frustration, don't seek after the answers, just seek me first. Love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then, he says in verse 33, all these things, 
All the things that you're worried about, all the things that you are frustrated about, all the things you're fearful about, all the stuff that's happening and has happened, they'll take care of themselves. Why? Because he knows all these things that you need and he'll provide. Look at the lilies of the field, he says. Look at the birds of the air, he says. Look at all this that goes on. He'll take care of you. Go back to verse 32. For the Gentiles, those without faith, those without hope, seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows you need them all. This is why you and I, the church of Jesus Christ, is fearless. Because we are the hope of the world. The reason why we're the hope of the world is because God's got you. God's got me. God's got this whole thing under control. He knows what's going to happen. I don't, you don't, but he does. And guess what? Greater is he that's in you that's in me than he that's in this world. And he knows all of these things. And so all he says, if you'll just seek him first, if you'll just trust him first, if you'll just cast your fear and your frustration upon him, He'll take care of all these things. This is the reason why you're the hope. This is the reason why you're the salt. This is the reason why you are the light for this world because you have hope in Jesus. You know that he knows that he has all the things that you need and he has you. So you don't have to fear. You don't have to be frustrated. So when everybody else is losing their mind around you and everybody else is fearful and frustrated because of what they just heard on the news or what they just got in the mail or what's going on on the radio or what they just read on the internet, you can have peace that passes understanding. You can have joy in the middle of, 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 of trouble and, tri and tribulation because you have this hope in Jesus. And because you have the hope, you're a carrier of that hope. You are the hope of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light for this world that expels the darkness of fear and frustration. Because your heavenly father, my heavenly father has us. The God who created all things, who made all things, and in him all things that were made were made in him and by him and through him. God has us. We have no need to fear. We can be that fearless church that a frightened world needs. And historically, this has been true. I've been doing a little bit of reading and research, and Rodney Stark, who wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity, talks about how the spread of Christianity took place from the first century all the way to the present. And he says in the first centuries, largely the spread of Christianity, the conversion to Jesus, people finding hope in Jesus, came because of the care and the compassion of Christians that they showed to the poor and the sick and the suffering during the plagues and the epidemics that we historically find in the beginning parts of the first century. You go on and early historians note that the church's compassion for those who were in need in times of crisis, they were, quote, the deeds of the Christians were on everyone's lips. The hope of the world. Dr. Moses, a professor of New Testament and early Christianity at Notre Dame University noted, quote, epidemic that seemed like the end of the world actually promoted the spread of Christianity because of their hope of heaven and their love of Christ was shown. Christians showed the world that Christianity was worth dying for. 
In the 1800s in England, when people were dying of cholera, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, the great minister of the gospel, the great pastor, he and his church were noted and known in throughout that country for going into hundreds of homes to care for people with cholera. When everybody else was leaving, they were coming in. Why? Because they have this hope that God has them. It's not crazy. It's not stupid. It's, 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 it's not a lack of, of, of scientific data and information. No, no, we, we take care. We wash our hands. We create social distancing. We, we obey the laws of the land. But does someone need prayer? We'll pray. Does someone need help? We'll help. Does someone need groceries? We'll give groceries. Does someone need us to share whatever we have? We will share because we know that when we seek first God, he'll take care of all these things. Because as verse 32 of Matthew chapter six says, our father knows what we need and he will provide. So this week, this Palm Sunday weekend that begins this Holy Week, this is going to be a great week. And you may say, Pastor, you've lost your mind. I mean, I mean, do you realize that this is the first time in our lifetime that we won't be able to come together and have church on Easter? Oh, we're having church on Easter. We're having church on Easter. And we're not going to meet together physically, but, 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 but the Bible says we're two or more gathered together in Jesus' name. There he is. So we don't have to have a building. We don't have to meet together face to face. Oh, I would love to, 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 to be able to have church together in person and, and do all of that. But you know what? We're going to have church. We're going to have church online. You go, that's not the same. Listen, we're two or more gathered together in his name. There he is. And the hope that you have and the hope that I have, it's all going to come together. I believe this Easter weekend is going to be one of the greatest evangelistic opportunities we've had in our lifetime. Why? Because we have hope in a world that's hopeless. We have certainty in a world that's uncertain. So uncertain. We, we, we have truth in a world that is questioning everything. So this week, what I'm going to ask you to do is simply this. Stand with me, believe with me, and pray with me to invest and to invite people to Easter. Here's what I mean. Practically, call every day. Call someone, at least one person, every day this week, someone in your world, someone in your family, someone maybe that you work with, someone that's, that doesn't know Jesus, and just say, hey, how are you? How are you doing? What's going on? Is there anything I can pray with you about? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they're going to say, well, yeah, there is this one thing. Or man, I'm about to lose my mind. Or, or I just don't know. And, 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 and you sound like you're so peaceful. I just want you just to Call people and show care and compassion and just invest in them. Check up on them. Give of yourself. Let the hope of Jesus Christ go right through that phone. Again, God's not limited by time or space. Just call them. I want you this week to say, Holy Spirit, show me where there's opportunities that I can be able to minister to someone, that I can help someone. It doesn't matter if you've got two cans of beans in your cupboard and that's all you got left. Show me one person I can share a can of beans with that I can just take a, a can of beans and put it on their doorstep and just let them know that you love them. It, it, it doesn't matter what it is, but what can you do? Maybe there's someone that needs groceries and you drop some groceries off. Maybe there's someone that needs some help and they need, they need to, someone to go to, the, to Walgreens or CVS and, and to pick up their, their pharmacy uh, needs. And you go, you pick up their prescription drugs and you just drop it off at the door for them. You, you just love on people. Just Holy Spirit, show me opportunities just to be able to love on people and to help people. Because right now, people are fearful and they're frustrated. But you, you're the hope of the world. You are the salt of the earth. 
You are the light for this world. Invest in people, love on people. When everybody else is running out, you run in. And the second thing, invite people. Invite them. People are at home. They don't have another excuse. They're not somewhere else. (laughs) That's one of the great things about right now. You know, there's been so many people online, so many people watching church online that had almost crashed Facebook two weeks ago. That's the reality of what's going on. People are hungry. They're looking. Invite them. Next weekend, when you invite them to invite them to Life Church, when, when you invite them to come to church and you invite them to be a part of the weekend service, man, we're going to present the gospel and people are going to come to faith in Christ. Did you know last weekend when we gave an invitation, there were 21 people that decided to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior that we know of? Just invite them. Invite them. Invite them. Even to today, uh, on the Life Church website at lifechurchwi.com, there are Easter invites. You can just simply invite people this week. Just remember, wherever you and I are gathered together, Jesus is there. Oh, again, I'd love for us to be able to have Easter together face-to-face. I, I can't tell you how much I miss just getting to shake your hand and hug your neck and stand in the foyer of the church and see how you're doing. I, I, I can't tell you how much I just wish for some normalcy like that. And I just so, but I'm telling you, as I walk around my neighborhood, as I see people, they're hungry, they're open, there's a kindness, there's a breaking down. God is doing something. Guys, God is at work. Church, God is at work and he is filling you with the hope of Jesus if you'll just receive it. He's filling you to be the light for this world if you'll just receive it. He's making you the salt of the earth if you'll just receive it. He wants to use you and me today like never before. So don't worry about buildings made by the hands of men or steeples and stained glass and bricks and sticks. Just look at people. Just look at people. Pray for people. Pray for your neighbors. Do prayer walks as you walk through your neighborhood. Pray for people. Pray for God to soften hearts and open hearts. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give you an opportunity to invest and to invite. And remember, you're the hope of the world. You are the hope of the world. Man, I want to end with this verse. Back, go back with me to verse 26 of Matthew chapter 6. He reminds us of this. This has been going over and over and over in my heart this week. Look at the birds of the air, for neither they sow nor they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He takes care of them. How, excuse me, are you not of more value than they? You are. And if God's eye is on the sparrow, I know he's watching you. If God sees a sparrow that falls, he's watching you. If God cares about a bird of the air, he cares for you, cares for me. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. He sees the littlest thing. He has compassion and care and concern even on a bird. He does for you and for me. And maybe today you just need to know that God loves you. He cares for you. Maybe you're hopeless without Jesus. In just a minute, when I pray, you today can join with me and you can ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, into your life, just like those 21 people did last weekend by just simply saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I believe you're my salvation. Take my sins away, take this hopelessness away and give me hope today in you. And according to the Bible, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. His eye 
is on the sparrow and I know he watches you and he watches me. You are the hope of this world because Jesus is in you and you are in him. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I wanna pray with you right now. Father, I just thank you. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for technology. I thank you, Lord, for the ability to be able to come into people's homes, come in their offices, to be able to ride along in their car, wherever they are, that they're able to pick up a digital signal, Lord, that they're able to, to, to connect on a cellular signal, God, they're able to be able to just be connected online. I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your hope. And I pray today, God, that you would fill us with your hope that we, as we invest in people this week, that you will show us Holy Spirit. You will give us doors and opportunities that people will ask of us. And maybe they'll email us or they'll call us or we'll talk. And just even through digital communication, God, we'll be able to communicate your love and your hope. And God, be able to push back the darkness and be able to be the light for this world and be the salt for this world. And I pray, Lord, for people today that are watching me right now online, God, that are far away from you, that they just simply just say these words, Dear Jesus, Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Wash my heart clean. Fill me with your hope today and take away my hopelessness. I believe that you, Jesus, are my salvation. Father, I pray for every person that prayed that prayer. God, every person that just said, Jesus, come into my heart, my life today. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I pray that the joy of the Lord, your joy, God, would just overflow them. And your peace that passes understanding would fill them. And your hope, oh God, that they'd just be baptized into your hope. That they would not walk in fear or frustration, but in the hope that you have. Thank you for this Palm Sunday weekend that we have together. Thank you for this time to be able to gather together. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that never leaves. Jesus, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, even to the end of the world. We are yours and you are ours and you are our hope. And because of that, you make us the hope of this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.